like to say good morning to everybody. Um, Ryan's not able to be here this morning. He had some things going on with his uh, son and ball games, and we, we appreciate that. We appreciate fathers being involved with their children's lives and, and joining in. And um, I appreciate the little children this morning and, and how uh, they sung. And uh, I, I got a scripture on my heart, and it's over in Second Timothy, and it's uh, chapter 1 and verse 8. And I'll read part of 8 and part of 9. It says, but it says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And skipping down to 9, it says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And uh, I'm thankful for the little children standing up and singing for the Lord, uh, not being ashamed uh, of God. And I'm, I appreciate the people that get up and, and move for God. And they sing and they testify and they help throughout the service, uh, stand and preach. I'm thankful for people being willing to serve God and do as well. And I, I think if we all just come with that mindset of just being willing to do whatever God give us to do, um, we can have a great Sunday school, we can have a great church service, and we can see our friends get in, we can see our friends get saved, we can see our family get saved. And uh, so I'm just thankful to be here this morning, thankful for the beautiful day that the Lord's given us. And uh, so with that being said, we'll ask uh, Brother uh, Blaine to dismiss us in prayer. Well, it's good to be here this morning. Appreciate everybody uh, for coming out. Beautiful day. And we've got a great lesson today, very familiar lesson. And uh, I was telling Brother Arnie as we were walking in back there, I said, uh, you know, the, the common lessons, the lessons that people have heard several times, scriptures that people are very familiar with, from a teaching standpoint, can be the more difficult lesson to teach. Uh, you know, if it's something that's been covered multiple times, uh, we, we know that the message is the same, but we're always looking for something a little bit different, uh, some angle that makes it interesting. I'd like for you to take something away from here today and go, wow, I never thought about that before, and hopefully you can then apply that to your life. When I was playing sports and then when I was coaching my kids in sports, uh, I would always, you know, I would try to give them something every time that we had a, a practice or a workout or something that they could implement into the game to make them a better player. Well, really, at this point, I, I won't say everyone, but most of the people that attend Sunday school are, are saved or have been to church and know a lot about uh, God and are trying to live a life that's a good life. So if we can give you something today that will help you in your walk this week or as you move forward, then we've done well. I mean, I think that's, that's really what I'm hopeful. Obviously, that has to come through God's Spirit. But that's my goal every time I get up and teach is to try to give you something 
that will help you uh, in your walk as you move forward. So uh, before I get into reading, and, and we'll get to there pretty quick, uh, I want to give you this, this thought to start off with, and then when we get to the end, hopefully I'll have some time to come back and, and maybe read a couple of other places and tie this all together. I was thinking about when I was just a, a real small fella and glad to have mom and dad here with, with me and always glad that they're here and in class. But when I was a real small fella, I don't know if, if any of you remember when you started learning how to ride a bicycle, okay? Probably everybody in here probably has ridden a bicycle at one time or another. So when I was a real small fella, I remember I was probably maybe five or six, don't remember exactly, but I remember getting a little red bicycle and man, I was so excited. And I, and that, it had training wheels on it, okay, which I needed because I didn't know how to ride a bicycle. So I started off riding with those training wheels and I'd ride with those training wheels all over the place, all right? And you know, because those training wheels will catch you and they won't let you tip over. So after a while, I said, Dad, I want to get them wheels off there. When can I start riding a bike like the big kids? So I don't know about you guys, but we took one of those training wheels off and I rode with one training wheel because you get a little bit, you know, tipsy. You could still lean over on that side that had the training wheel and you wouldn't fall over, right? But that still wasn't good enough. That satisfied me for a few days, but then I wanted to get both of those training wheels off of there. I wanted to ride my bike like the big kids. So we took the training wheel off, and it's just me and the two wheels, and now i got to balance it. But Dad would walk behind me, and he would hold the seat so I wouldn't tip over and get me going, and he'd run along with me. And that was fine for a little while, but then I was like, Dad, I want you to let go so I can ride a bike like the big kids. Okay, so it's steps, you see? You see what I'm getting at? It's steps. So finally he lets go, and I ride a little bit, and then I crash, skin my knee up. Well, I want to get right back on it and get going again because I want to ride a bike like the big kids. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, we're going to be talking about uh, Peter a lot today. And so Christ with Peter and with the other apostles and with each of us in our Christian walk does the exact same thing with us that dad did with me with the bicycle and the training wheels. All right? And if I had never gotten to the point where I wanted to take the training wheels off, I could still be riding a bike at 53 years old that had to have a couple of training wheels on it. Okay? Whoever feels like a Christian that's still riding around trying to walk a Christian life and you got training wheels on because you haven't learned, I'll raise my hand because, boy, I'm there a lot of times. Okay, so let's dig into this a little bit. Great lesson. This is about Peter walking on the water. All right, so we all know that story. We've all heard it. Uh, but there's some great things in here. And we'll back up a little bit, and then we'll go forward and try to tie some things in. When we get back to the end, we'll come back to the bike with the training wheels. Okay. So we're going to be in Matthew, the 14th chapter. And we're going to be verse 22 through 33. All right. Now, i got to set the stage here a little bit for what's going on. Um, just recently, earlier in this chapter... John the Baptist is beheaded, all right? And the disciples go and get his body and bury him, and, and they go and tell Jesus. Uh, I think Jesus already knew, but they go and tell him that John the Baptist uh, is beheaded. So, uh, and there's a big crowd following Jesus at this point, and he's right around the, the Sea of Galilee, which I want to talk about a little bit as well. Um, but he gets in a ship and he leaves the one place where he's at and he goes over into a desert place. Uh, but because the Sea of Galilee is the way it is, the crowd could see the ship and they, they followed him. Okay, so let's talk about the Sea of Galilee. Who's been to the Sea of Galilee? I know mom and dad have. Ken was here, but he went in the other class. Okay, 
So when I read this scripture as a kid, Sea of Galilee, I'm thinking Atlantic Ocean. I mean, I've been to Myrtle Beach I've, or Florida, and I've looked out across the ocean, and boy, you can look and, you know, you can't see the other side, right? Well, this is a sea. That's what the Sea of Galilee is, all right? So mom, stand up. Tell them what the Sea of Galilee is. It's a lake, all right? It's not the Atlantic Ocean, all right? So here are the dimensions on the Sea of Galilee. 13 miles wide at its, at its widest, and from end to end, it's 33 miles long, okay? And the terrain around it, at least on the west side, it's mountainous, okay? And so if you look out at YouTube, everybody's probably got a YouTube, go home and look at it. You can look at some videos, and it'll show some things going on on the Sea of Galilee or some photos. In the daytime, you can see the other side. Now, it's way across. I mean, I wouldn't want to try to jump in and swim across 13 miles, but you can see that far, you know, on a good clear day. Now, 33 miles from end to end, that might be a little bit too far, but there's probably no place in the Sea of Galilee when it's the daytime and good weather that you can't see the shore, all right? But at nighttime, different animal. All right? So they're, going, they're getting ready to get in a boat. The disciples are getting ready to get in a boat. This calls it a ship. And so I did a little research. Travis, will you come up here? I want Travis to help me because I, I want to, what I'm going to do, I, I want to try to make a visual so that you can appreciate the size and the folks in the back may have to stand up. But Travis, let's move this bench right here. Let's just move these. Let's move it out of Let's turn it sideways. Let's go around that way. Yep, that's perfect. Right there. I want to see. This is about eight feet. It's just a thank you. This is just a little bit longer than, or, or a little bit wider than the boats of that day were. Okay. create a visual here for you of the boats of that time the ships most of them were about seven and a half or eight feet across and they were about 27 feet long they have recovered some ships some boats from this time frame and dated them to when Christ was alive now I'm not saying that every single one was exactly this size but this gives you a real good idea of what an average boat from that time looked like, okay? Because when I say boat, I'm, you know, when they read in, when I read in here boat, I'm thinking the Carnival Cruise Lines, you know? I've been on a Carnival Cruise, that's a great big ship. I mean, it's got a swimming pool right up on the second or third deck. Well, that's not what we're dealing with here, okay? So, this is the size of the ship, and when we get done, we'll put this back up, but... I uh, hope everybody can see it. Now, the, the sides, you know, probably come up. Some of them had a sail. The particular boat that the disciples were in on this evening was a rowboat. Now, it could have had a sail as well, but they, had, they were rowing. I think over in John it talks that they, were, that they had tried to row. Uh, but anyway, here's our, here's our boat, okay? So hopefully the folks in the back can see that, get kind of an idea. So... Matthew 24, or Matthew 14 and 22. And straightway, so this, this Jesus had just fed the 5,000. There's 5,000 people there, he, you know, and he just, Philip brings him the five loaves and two fishes, and he blesses it, feeds 5,000. They're all there. They're all excited. All these folks are there. And Jesus tells his disciples, this is the next thing that happened. And straightway, Jesus constrained them. I mean, he basically gives them an order. And, and told them, I want you guys to all get in this ship, and I want you to head across to the other side. All right? They didn't want to do that. They didn't want to leave him there. They didn't want to be without him. But he tells them, get into the ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So there's this group of 5,000 folks here. 
5,000 men, and I think there were some women and children too. He just fed them, and they're, they're thinking, hey, this is the guy that we've been reading about. This is going to be our king. Let's, let's crown him king. I mean, we, we need to go ahead and just make him our king right now if he'll have it and because we don't like Herod ruling us. Uh, but that's obviously not, that's not the kingdom that Jesus came to set up. He didn't come here to have a natural kingdom. He came here to set up a spiritual kingdom. And so he tells the disciples, you guys go on, and he's telling the, this big crowd, you guys disperse and go home. That's, that's, that's not the, the purpose here. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So the 5,000, they scatter. And the disciples are on this ship that's probably about the size that we've, we've put together here in this uh, example. And they're out on the Sea of Galilee. All right. And again, Sea of Galilee is, is really a lake. It's also called Lake Tiberias. They're out there and they're rowing, trying to go across to the other side where he had told them to go. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. <clears throat> All right. So, sounds a lot like my spiritual life. Uh, I can be going along and be at church on Sunday and we can see two or three people come and get saved, and a couple of people say, boy, I'm sorry, I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to do. <clears throat> and I go out and get in my truck and go home, and it's Monday or Tuesday, and I'm at work, and wow, here comes a big storm. Something's not going right, and here I am in my ship in the dark, because it got dark now, it's evening, and they're trying to get across to the other side. I'm trying to get to next, well, to Wednesday, but then on to next Sunday so I can get back here and hopefully, you know, get my tank filled up again. So these disciples, these apostles, they're all saved at this point, save maybe Judas. And, you know, so they know about Christ, but here they are in a storm. All right. How many folks have been in a storm? Boy, I've been in some. Um, and so we go on here in, in verse 25. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. So it doesn't really say in Matthew, and it, I don't think it really says in any of the Gospels. I tried to read, this is in at least three of them, uh, this account. Jesus, I don't know if he even told his disciples how he was planning to get to them. I don't think he did because they were shocked when he comes walking on the water. They may have surmised, well, he'll get another boat. Or maybe he'll just walk around. You know, it'd be a long walk, but he might just walk around and, and get to us. Um, but he goes walking on the water. All right. Uh, and when the disciples saw him... Walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. So they're in this storm, the fourth watch of the night. And by the way, they would break the night up into four watches. So each watch would be maybe two and a half or three hours, depending on the, on the time of year. But they would have somebody to keep an eye out. Or that's kind of how they broke the, the night up. So... The fourth watch is the last watch, so it would be the last two to three hours before daylight, all right? So this is sometime probably between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., so we don't know exactly, but, I mean, they've been at this a while. So if there wasn't a wind that was, or a storm that was pushing against them, they probably could have rowed the boat even if they were, you know, rowing it all the way long ways, and I doubt that's exactly what they were doing, but they could have probably rowed it across or gotten back to shore and been to some safety, you know, in a couple of hours. Well, they've been at this a long time. So, I mean, they're probably tired. I mean, I would have been. They've been on this boat, and it's been in a storm all night long. 
they were probably thinking, we'll get across here in a couple of hours. We'll lay down and go to sleep. Well, that didn't happen. Um, so they've been at this a while. Uh, you know, it's getting to the fourth, into the fourth watch, getting closer and closer to morning. Straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. So he tells them three things here. He tells them essentially, hey, you can relax or, or you can be happy. I'm here. And then he's, he's telling them, it's me. You know, I'm not, because they're thinking, what is this? Is this, is this a, a spirit or a ghost or some kind, you know, are we hallucinating? What's going on here? Well, it's not that. He's telling them, it's me. And then he tells them, you don't need to be afraid anymore. All right. So just like when I was riding that bicycle uh, and it no longer had, you know, the training wheels on it and dad was running along behind me holding on to it, well, as long as he held on, I was, I was pretty safe. I mean, he wasn't going to let me fall over. I mean, not on purpose. I don't think he ever did. I don't remember him ever, you know, turning me over. Uh, but, you know, once, once you get out there on your own a little bit and, and you can't see Jesus, I mean, you know, when, he, when they were right there on the shore with him, it was, it was a little bit different. Uh, but now they're out in the sea and they've been there all night and there's a storm and things aren't going like they want. He's still there. He didn't, you know, even though he wasn't physically right there in the ship with them, he, he never let them go. He knew where they were the whole time. So let's, uh, let's back up to Matthew into the 8th chapter. This is another time when Jesus, and he, he was in the ship on this one, was with uh, the disciples, and they were in a ship. All right, so Matthew 8 and 23. And when he entered into the ship, his disciples followed. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a great calm. So just like I was talking about with the training wheels on the bicycle, uh, I think there was a learning curve going on here with the disciples. Uh, on the previous one back here in chapter 8, he's in the boat with them. Same sea, same group, might have been the exact same boat. If it wasn't, it was probably one that was very similar. He was right there. They could see him. They knew he was there in the boat with them on that one. They got concerned. A big storm blew up. You know, what's going to happen? Are we going to perish? So they go to him, and he calms the sea. So this next one, he's not right there in the boat with them. They're out there. Same boat, same sea, another big storm comes up. What do they do? Do you think they were, they were, they were praying? Do you think they were wondering, hey, where's, where's the Lord at? Where's Jesus? He could, make all the, he could make this storm be still like he did the other time if he was just with us. You know, same things that I go through. You know, how many storms have I been through? How many times have... I had Jesus fix things for me in my life and something different comes up and I think, wow, this, this isn't the same thing as the last time. He's not right here in the ship with me like he was the last time. This time, I'm here by myself. I sure wish he was here like he was the last time because then he could fix this one like he did the last one. You know, I've told you guys multiple times that when I'm thinking about Jesus, my confidence in him is great. My doubt is me. My fear is me. Because I know that sometimes the answer is those ships sink. And everybody on board drowns. 
Now that's not failure, because if you're born again, you're going to a better place. And it's all for God's glory. But that's not, that's not the story that Blaine wants. See, Blaine wants to always have the ship get across to the other side and be safe. And God takes me that route a whole lot of times. But sometimes, for me or for somebody around me to learn, my bicycle falls over and I skin my knee real good. And, and Blaine doesn't like having his knee skinned up real good, whether it's for God's glory or not. I'm just being honest. I mean, some people get to the point where they're okay with that. Blaine doesn't like it. I don't care for it. I want to ride my bike like a big kid, but I don't ever want to fall over and skin up my knee. Okay? Who else is there? I mean, anybody else? I see a lot of hands. And the ones that didn't raise your hands, shame on you. <laughs> All right, so there's a learning curve going on here. Christ has them out in the ship with them, big storm, he calms it. Next time he sends them out on the ship, he's not right there with them. But he goes walking on the water, and he shows up. Does it, before I go on, does anybody have any comments you'd like to make? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. That's a great point. There are so many reasons why bad things happen to good people, you know, or storms come up. Uh, you know, sometimes it's to get my attention. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. Sometimes I've been looking over here when I should have been looking over here. Um, sometimes I'm focused right in. I mean, the you know, these, these disciples, the 12, the apostles here, um, they had just been with Jesus. They had just fed 5,000. He tells them to get in a ship and head across the sea. They do. I mean, they're, as far as I can tell, they're right where he wants them. You know? He wanted them there with him. They fed the 5,000. He said, get in the ship and head to the other side. And they started rowing, and they've been rowing all night. But he's trying to teach them some things. Uh, and obviously, this story is a great blessing to us if we apply it correctly. So sometimes it's to teach us. Sometimes it's to help the people around us, you know, because... If I'm really in a storm and I'm focused on God and doing the best I can and praying and just trying to stay right there, somebody around me is watching that. Somebody's seeing that, and hopefully it's being a help to them. So let's pick this up here. Straightway Jesus spake unto them, this is back in 27, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. So he tells them three things there, and I love all of them. Be happy, it's me, you don't need to be afraid. Makes me think they were afraid prior to him getting there. And the scriptures even kind of indicate that at least at seeing this person walking on the water, they were afraid. I mean, nothing like this has ever happened before. So... So now we get to verse 28, and the next five or six verses, primarily about Peter and his exchange with Christ. So let's focus on this a little bit. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. So what do we think about this, this what Peter's saying here? Good, good, good question, bad question. Is, is Peter doubting? I've heard some people say, well, he said, if, it, if it's really you, bid me to come. I mean, what do you think? Is he, is he doubtful?
Well, Christ did say, come on. And if Christ didn't want him to come on, he wouldn't have said that. I mean, it's a great point. I mean, so I, don't, I can't disagree with it. But then Christ did say, come. Uh, so let me put it this way. Let me say this as we go into this. Say it again, Don. I couldn't hear you. He did that eventually. Yeah, but at, this, at the beginning right here, Peter's in the boat. There's a storm. It's raging. And he hears Jesus say, be not afraid, be of good cheer, it is I. Okay. When I'm in a storm, no matter what the storm is, and I hear Jesus say, hey Blaine, it's all going to be okay. I want to get as close to him. I mean, if he's over here. I really think that's where Peter's at. I think Peter, I read some commentaries, and they said Peter was trying to show off. He wanted to just walk on the walk. Well, I don't see that. I mean, I, you know, somebody else may see that, see it that way, and that's okay. Obviously, somebody does. The one commentary said that. To me, Peter is there in the boat, and he's probably, I think Peter's been praying. Again, just me. Scripture doesn't say it. I think Peter is praying, thinking back just a few weeks, the last time they were all in the ship back there in, in chapter 8 in Matthew. And I think Peter's saying, Lord, if you were here, you could calm this all down like you did the last time. And man, we need you. And then all of a sudden, they look out on the water, and there he is. And Peter's like, Lord, let me come to you. I, that's what I think. Okay, now. Uh, somebody else might have a different opinion. I'm not saying that's the only one. Does anybody else have any thoughts on that, uh, comments you'd like to make on that? Okay. So verse 29. And he said, this is Jesus, come. So Peter says, Lord, bid me to come to you. And he says, come right on. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Wow. So, there's a failure coming. All right, next verse or two. But right here, I only read of two people ever walking on the water. Jesus was one of them, and Peter was the other one. You know. Now, when I go out and play golf, and, and Bill's back there, he's played golf with me before. I don't play a whole lot anymore. But my approach is, if I've got one of those shots where i got to hit just a perfect shot to get it right up there on the green close to where I want it, or I could lay up and then take a third shot to get it up there, I'm going for the green. Because in a week or a month from now, I'm not going to still be talking about the great layup shot and then the second shot that I hit to get it up there close. Okay, I'm going to be talking about, man, I was way out there, and I hit it, and it went right up on the green, if I'm lucky enough to get it there. Now, most of the time, I'm not that lucky because I'm not that good of a golfer. But Peter, he went for the gold here, is what I'm, what I'm getting at. I mean, he, Lord, let me come to you. Jesus said, come. Peter gets out and walks on the water. Wow. All right? I'd like to walk on the water. Do I have that kind of faith? Boy, I, I mean, in a storm, out in the middle of a sea, am I getting out of a boat? It's already been, we're the night's almost over. I, I don't know. I hope I would. I hope in my spiritual life that when it's like that, I'm doing whatever I need to do to get closer to Jesus. All right? And if it takes that kind of faith to do something I haven't done before, go someplace I haven't been before, to get closer to him. I hope that I've got that kind of faith. I try to. I hope that you, you do. I know there's a lot of people in this church that I've seen have that kind of faith. Stirs me up. Helps me. Well, and so was Judas. You know, he, you know, Thomas was saved. 
But Thomas, you know, Thomas a lot like me. I can come to church and we can have three or four saved and by Monday afternoon I can be thinking, man, am I, am I saved? Is there really, you know, I mean, I don't know about you, Don, but, you know, I, I have those thoughts. Get me out of the church and the spirit's not moving real strong and I start thinking, hmm, was there really something to that or not? Now, I don't every time, that's not what I mean, but I have times where this mind gets in the way. You know, we need to get back to the spiritual mind. And then when I feel the Lord move, then it's, it's all good. So, so, verse 30. This is Peter. But when he saw the wind boisterous, this is what Don was just talking about a minute ago, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Peter's one of only two people to ever walk on the water. But he took his eye off Jesus. How do I know he took his eye off Jesus? He saw the storm. All right? And that's just what you were saying. We look around. We, we, we don't pay attention to what Jesus is saying. And we start looking around at everything going on around us. Then, then we're in trouble again. All right, Jesus, it, it couldn't have been thirty seconds. I don't think. Just said, "Don't be afraid. It's me. I'm here." And Peter said, "Lord, can I come to you?" And he said, "Come on." He jumps out of the boat and he's walking on the water. Why in the world would he start looking at the waves and the wind? Because he's a lot like me. That's why. Why is it that we have a great service on Sunday and by, you know, Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning, sometimes I'm a million miles away from that. Have a hard time even remembering how it felt just in a day or two. Because that's me. I don't know about anybody else. I think other people are the same. <laughs> see a lot of heads nodding. But this flesh is an enmity against God. It's, it's contrary. It doesn't, it, you know, so that's, that's the reason. But Peter took his eye off of Jesus, looked at the storm, and boy, am I guilty of that. When there's a storm going on, even when God is good to me, does great things for me, lets me feel peace, I still want to take my eye off of him and look back around here at the storm. All right? Don't do that. It's just, that one was free. Don't, don't do that. Keep your eye on Jesus. <laughs> don't do as I do, do as I say. I'm, I'm trying to help you here. So that's one of those points I was talking about. You know, if I could teach one of my kids to stay down when that ground ball's coming, even if it bounces up, it might hit you, but at least you'll keep it in front of you, and then you can still maybe get that runner out. Well, this is even more important than that. When the storm's going on and Jesus is there and you know where he's at and you're headed toward him, you're right there, don't take your eye off of him. Keep looking at him. I don't think Peter would have ever started to sink had he kept his eye right on Jesus right here. He created his own emergency. And boy, I'm guilty of that. I create my own emergencies. And then I got to say, Lord, help. I'm about to drown here. And he always reaches and picks me up. I've skint my knee again, but he grabs the back of the bicycle seat and gets me started again so I can start trying to ride my bike like a big kid. All right. Any comments here before we go on? Yeah, and yeah, I I think faith, yeah, that prayer is so important. And you know, you notice in the even in this scripture, and there's several places, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, perfect, and he's still going and having prayer time. It's a conversation between him and his Father. 
So our prayer time is a conversation. If you, if you want to be close to somebody, if I want to be close to my dad, I got to talk to him. I, got, I call him up. Hey, how's it going today? How you feeling? You want to go have lunch? We talk about things. So if you want to be close to God, it can't, it can't just be an emergency kit that's in the trunk of your car that you only get out when you've got a flat tire once every five years. All right? Now, the emergency kit's still there. God's always there. But if you really want to have a good, strong connection and have some power, you better be talking to God in between needing that, that emergency kit. Okay? So I better hurry. We're re- yeah. All right. Uh, 31. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. All right. So Jesus didn't save Peter by causing the storm to cease. He saved him, and the storm was still going on. And then they go on over and get in the ship, and then it calms down. All right. His time, not ours. Then when they were in the ship and worshipped... the others worshipped him, saying, of a, true, of a truth thou art the Son of God. So, you know, possible there were some others in the ship. I don't really know. It may have just been the twelve, or maybe there were a couple of other people that were, that were running the ship. Don't know. Doesn't say that. But even when I've been saved and been on the journey a long time, and God does something miraculous for me, I, you know, I get excited sometimes and I praise him. So... One more place I want to read. John 21. Now, this is after Jesus has been crucified and he's risen. He's seen the apostles a couple of times. But this is what's going on. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Remember, Sea of Galilee Sea of Tiberias, or sometimes Lake of Tiberias, all the same place. So they're at the same, I don't know if they're at the exact same place on the shore, but they're at, at the same sea, okay? There were together Simon Peter, and Thomas, and Nathaniel, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. Now, Jesse Buell was here and preached a few years ago, and he pointed something out about this phrase that I didn't know. And I'm just taking him at his word. I believe him. This wasn't Peter saying, I'm going to go fishing today. This was Peter saying, I'm going to go back and be a fisherman. I'm going back to fishing. Jesus is gone. What we thought is gone. I'm not going to be a follower and a fisher of men. I'm going back fishing for my vocation. Big statement. All right. How many people have ever quit? Quit serving God? Boy, I have. All right. That's where Peter's at here. All right. I go fishing. Now listen. Listen what they said. They said unto him, we also go with thee. So not only has Peter got himself in a bad place, he's now got five or six of his buddies following him. Think what we do doesn't impact people? It's only hurting me. Who's heard that? What I'm doing is only hurting. If I'm hurting anybody, it ain't hurting nobody but me. That's not true. We go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Fished all night. Didn't catch a thing. And I want to tell you, when you don't follow Jesus, that doesn't mean that you won't be successful in the world. You can go be successful for a little while in the world not following Jesus. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But on this particular time... He's making a real point to them. You won't be happy. 
When you're one of God's, you won't be happy unless you're following God, doing what he wants you to do. All right. But when the morning, but when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. This was just past the fourth watch. Okay. The fourth watch had just ended. It may have actually still from a time frame been in the fourth watch. I can't prove that. But the sun was coming up. They couldn't tell who it was, but they could see somebody was on the shore. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. So they cast the net out. I want to get on down here. Let me find where it's at. So verse 7. This is where I wanted to get to. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. This is where I wanted to get to. Why didn't Peter say, Lord, if it is thy, if it is you, bid me to come unto you? He had just walked on this same sea, maybe a couple of months, I don't know the exact time, but he was with the same crew, same sea, same type of ship, maybe the same ship. Why didn't he ask the Lord to walk on the water to him that time? What do you think? Do you think how you walk day to day and what you're doing and what you're saying has an impact on your relationship with Jesus? Peter was afar off here. He had just said, I'm not being a fisher of men anymore. I'm going to go back to fishing for a living. I'm done with this. And then here's Jesus. How bad do you think Peter felt? I think he felt really bad. What we do has an impact on our relationship with Christ. If you want to have power, if you want to, I think, which I don't think he would have been out there if he had been in the right place spiritually, but had he been out there and Christ was on the shore and he had been right, I'm not saying Jesus would have let him walk on the water again, but he might have. He let him walk on the water one other time when he was right. I want to be in a spot where if I need to get from the ship to the shore or wherever I need to go, if walking on the water is my best option, I want to be in a place where I can say, Hey, Jesus, will you let me walk on the water? And I'm talking spiritually. I don't think he's ever going to let me walk on the water. Doug has seen me try to water ski before. He will attest that there's not much chance that I'm going to get to walk on the water. Okay? So, the Lord was teaching Peter, and he continued to teach him. Now, who knows who preached on the day of Pentecost? Peter. The greatest service, one service that I read or hear anything about, thousands and thousands of people saved and turned their life to God, and Peter is the guy preaching. But he had to grow. We all have to grow. I hope the lesson's been a help to you. Thank you for your attention.